You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, How are Wally. You? No traffic this morning. <laughs> we're, we're thrilled to have you in this morning, Naz. <laughs> uh, also thrilled to have with us the ultimate Leafs fan on the ultimate road trip. Of course, I'm talking about Mike Wilson. Welcome back, Mike. Uh, welcome and good morning to you guys. Uh, thanks for having me. It's, it's, it's a pleasure having you and uh, just let our listeners know on the show today, uh, the Godfather Sports Radio from Boston, Massachusetts. Eddie Andelman, a lot of things going on in Boston. The Red Sox are on the cusp of their fourth World Series victory in the last 15 years and 20 years ago or in 1986, who would have thunk it? The Pats. Uh, interesting discussion we'll have with Eddie Andelman about uh, Brady and what's going on with the with the Patriots and uh, the the uh, rivalry that's uh, developing between Toronto and Boston, Celtics, Raptors, Bruins, Leafs. So we'll talk to Eddie Andelman, the Godfather of Sports Radio, after the first break and uh, middle of the hour. Award-winning American film director, writer, and producer, Gabe Polsky, welcoming him back to the show. And uh, there's a great new sports documentary being released this week across North America. It's called In Search of Greatness, and they're already talking about it as an early contender for the best documentary feature at the Academy Awards. We'll be talking to film director and producer, Gabe Polsky. Mike, what's going on, my friend? You've been uh, hopping, uh, hopping across North America or uh, states in Canada. I know you were in Winnipeg this week. Uh, of course, we're talking about the ultimate road trip. You are on a mission to uh, be at every single Leafs game this year. Uh, I know we've chatted about it on the show before. Um, so far, you are eleven games into it, if I understand. Leafs mm-hmm. have won eight of them, so I think you're bringing. I think you're bringing them a little bit of good luck. So give, bring us up to date on the uh, your perception of the Toronto Maple Leafs and their play and uh, uh, progress report on the ultimate fan trip. Jeez, that's a loaded question, Wally. But uh, yeah, well, as far as the Maple Leafs go, I think what we're seeing is that this team is developing into a. Uh, you know, a, a very, a very competitive and a very engaging team. And I think what they're slowly learning is, and I get, there was a good example of it last night, is that they cannot chase the game. What they have to do is they have to set the standard because they have the skill set to do that. And it was really evident the other night in, in Winnipeg when they took the game to Winnipeg and Winnipeg was chasing the game. And that's that's what I think Toronto, they're gaining more confidence game by game in doing that. And you see the emergence of players like Kapanen who has stepped up in the, six, in the top six player role and filling in where Nylander but normally playing and is doing an exceptional job and you saw the goal he scored last night and I think Kadri now depending on what happens with 34 and how long he's going to be out his role will step up again but you're seeing all these guys they're gaining a little bit of confidence as they move along uh, they are team to beat they realize that teams are going to be playing them a lot tougher we saw what St. Louis did to them a week ago when they just shut them down they shut that uh, mutual zone down on them and that made it very difficult for them to penetrate the offensive zone so I think as I say 
what I like about this hockey club and what I'm seeing develop is, is emerging is that this team is now pushing the game, and that's what they have to do. And I think they get more confidence in doing it. And you see Tavares, the way he's playing, you know, he's much – one thing I noticed about him is his game in his defensive zone is as strong as in the offensive zone. And I think that's one of the things that rubs off in the other players. Uh, Marner, of course, just – it's funny. When I was in Winnipeg the other day, a number of people that I knew, the one thing that stuck out, stuck out for them was the fact of how good this kid actually is and his skill level. Even though they're marvel at uh, Matthews, it's Marner who – really caught their attention the way he handles the puck, especially for a guy the size that he is. So I think, you know, Leaf fans, I think we, Naz, I think, you know, we can be very happy with what we're seeing with sure, this absolutely. hockey club. And five five and oh on the road, I think. Right? Yeah, five and oh on the road. And, and it's because it's because of exactly what I what they're doing. They're they're taking the game and they're pushing the game to a level that makes the other team chase the game. And it's a very difficult difficult thing to do. But with the skill set that they have and that Toronto has, they have the ability to do that. On your trip, uh, where were the most lease sweaters? What rain? Uh, probably so far it was in, well, I mean, I'm not going to right? count Detroit because, the, you know, the border cities, they're always going to be there. Yeah. But Winnipeg was uh, was so, so far. a lot of Leaf fans. There was a lot of Leaf fans. And, when, and you know, when the, when the first goal went in the other night, <laughs> uh, it it was pretty loud. It sounded like the, it sounded like the old Maple Leaf Gardens when the old teams used to come in there. You know, we, uh, we've uh, asked uh, uh, people on the show before about... Uh, you know the the popularity. Uh, you know, Naz, you've you've been to watch Leaf games in other arenas across the NHL. I've yeah. been, you know, Montreal, Boston, uh, Columbus, Washington, and I'm, I'm I'm constantly amazed by the amount of Leaf fans. And I'm going to ask you, Mike, uh, you've been on the road with them, and you're going to be on the road with them yeah. the rest of the year. Uh, certainly in Winnipeg the other night. Um, how do you how do you explain that? that there are so many Leaf fans in some of these other cities that come to these games, given the fact that, you know, most of these fans that are coming out are not necessarily guys of our generation. A lot of them are younger. And, you know, quite frankly, the Leafs in the last 30 years haven't been one of the most successful teams. Let's forget about last year, the last two years, or the blip in the 1990s. I mean, there have been a lot of... of, uh, famine in between the feast and you've talked to some of these fans um why is it that the leafs are so popular in some of these other cities because what i've been able to find out over through my years of you know acquiring all this memorabilia that i have and and the artifacts and and then doing the research is that if you take it back into the 30s when foster hewitt started broadcasting the games across the nation remember we were coming out of a out of a depression and families didn't have a lot there was a lack of content on the radio much like there is today on the media <laughs> and so what people would do as a form of entertainment would be sit around the radio as a family and listen to the hockey game saturday nights so anything west of ontario including ontario was all maple leaf because it would be Foster Hood, who became more popular than the Prime Minister. And even down east, it was Montreal and Toronto divided. But what I think people took away from that was the fact that this was a bonding moment for a family. And these families was passed down from generation to generation. And even going through the war period, 
Foster Hewitt's broadcasts are what motivated the men to keep moving on, and we're looking forward to those broadcasts coming on a weekly basis. So I think that's what it is. So, so, so you're finding sons and grandsons are oh, becoming exactly. Leaf fans because the father and the grandfather were. Yes, because this is, it's more than just the hockey club. As you can see, they haven't won for over 50 years. And unlike Boston or Chicago, ironically, they have the two most iconic stadiums in sports that motivated people to go to watch games because of that and they became the lovable losers this the toronto is much deeper than that it's more embedded in our our culture as canadians and as fans i know people don't want to hear that but i i had a conversation that day with jay Burchell, you know the guy who did goon and he's written a book as a hab fan and it was born into it is the name of his book that's come out and i've read half of it and it's actually quite good he concurs with what I'm saying about that and gets that culture that's embedded in people about the Maple Leafs. So it's more than just a hockey team. And you think yourself, um, you know, my family alone, we've got, well, I have a granddaughter now, so she doesn't know it yet, but she's going to be a Maple Leaf fan. But, <laughs> that's for, but, that's but there are four sure. generations of Leaf fans in our family alone. Uh, and, you know, there can really only be possibly five, maybe six, if you go back to 1927. So people relate to that. And when I'm going in around arenas, I'm finding people that are games with the, the father, the son who can be 56 years old, and the grandson or the son. So there's three generations right there attending games as families. I want to talk about the uh, going into the uh, travel of the team. Is it is it very tiring the travel that you had in compared to what the players are going through? Well, the players are traveling a little different because they're they're not sitting around waiting in airports and getting gate changes and and having flights changed in. And so they're they're they're, they're on a little, little bit more direct scale <laughs> than I am. But and I've, it's only been five games so far. But, yeah, I, you, you can see in the old days how it would weigh on guys because there's a lot of seeing around the downtime at the airport. So, of course, back in those days, they would get in trouble by doing yeah. other things. But I would say today they're a little more spoiled with the chartered flights and stuff. Like, they're not spoiled, but it, it's just the evolution of the game and, and the way sports has gone as a, as a whole. Anyways, uh, Naz, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to cut in right there. We've got to go to break and uh, we'll pick up this conversation hopefully near uh, near the end of the show. Uh, certainly we want to uh, uh, catch up a little bit more with you, Mike, And but uh, we'll, be, be, we'll be right back after the break with the Godfather of Sports Radio from Boston, the great Eddie Andelman. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I have family in Caprese, home of Michelangelo, who famously painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It took him four years. We must be distant relatives, because it took me almost as long to paint the ceiling of my garage. I'm sure he did a bunch of nudes, but I did two coats. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. 
Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740, downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM, live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, the godfather of sports radio, the host of the greatest sports talk radio show in history, the Sports Huddle, from Boston, Massachusetts. Of course, I'm talking to the legendary Eddie Andelman. Good morning, Eddie. How are you this morning? Good morning, fellas. I'm doing fine, thank you. How thrilled are you about your socks, Eddie? Well, I'm very excited because at one time, I never thought I'd live long enough to see the Red Sox win it once. Now it's going to be four times. So I'm very grateful. Uh, that's uh, So I guess you're calling this series over, Eddie? Oh, yeah, it's definitely over. It's over today, or are they going back to Boston? Well, I hope they go back to Boston because... Uh, you know, the fans here deserve it. They've been selling out all year. They pay outrageous prices. It's, it's a, a, the worst ballpark in history. And, and you know, it's, it's just, uh, as they say, superannuated. It's, uh, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's old. It's high-priced. But, uh, you know, it's what we have, so we love it. Eddie, has uh, the uh, popularity of David Price changed in this playoffs because of his first win in the first game of the series, or the second game of the series, sorry. And uh, he pitches today, and if he wins today, he could win MVP of the World Series. Um, well, first of all, don't ask me any hockey questions. <laughs> well, I don't know anything about it. I don't follow it. Uh, I wish everybody well, and I think uh, Toronto will probably win the Stanley Cup this year. I hope so because, you know, as I've said before to you guys, the sports fans in Toronto uh, have followed the Maple Leafs uh, to an enormous extent, despite absolutely no progress uh, for so many years. So I think they deserve a Stanley Cup. I'd like to have them. And, and you know, I, I don't know how much you know about the history of the Stanley Cup, um, but Mrs. Stanley uh, was uh, a, a gorgeous woman, uh, and I hate to tell you this, but for so many times, she cheated on her husband, and I happen to have been one of them. Eddie, you're, you, you know what? You haven't lost a step, my friend. You're, <laughs> you, you're pretty irreverent, and I know, I know you're a hockey fan. I know you're putting us on this morning, as you usually do. But uh, 
David Price, uh, he uh, he left Toronto. We didn't like him all that much. Is he becoming a Boston hero all of a sudden, Eddie? Well, he will until he loses the game. Uh, you know, Red Sox fans uh, and baseball fans in general uh, in New England, uh, you know, we can't wait to have a parade. We can't wait to honor them. But the first time David Price uh, throws a bad game, they'll be all over him. That's part of the fun of being a baseball fan. You know, the difference between uh, baseball fans in Boston uh, and New York as opposed to the Midwest where everybody says, ask somebody, uh, you know, where's just such a street? They say, come on, I'll, I'll walk with you. Uh, you know, I know you believe in God. I mean, they're just these nice people. And, and we're not that nice. Uh, you know, as a, a local comedian always says, um, if you ask a policeman uh, for directions, he'll just say, straight ahead, no matter where he is, just, just go straight ahead. Don't bother me anymore. We're talking Eddie Andelman. Eddie, let's uh, let's. Uh, I think I think we're prepared to uh, give the uh, World Series, the World Championship, to the Sox. So let's move on. The, the I was about to say the Boston Patriots. I'm showing my age. The New England Patriots. Uh, Tom Brady. Uh, it's sort of been an up and down season so far, Eddie. Uh, what are you seeing with Tom Brady? He's getting he's getting up there a little bit. Uh, uh, where do you, where are you where are you putting the Pats in the pecking order right now? Or are they a legitimate threat, and uh, and as, as Brady lost a step? Well, to answer your question, uh, Brady has lost a step, but he's still great. Um, you know, I, I think that the Patriots really aren't Super Bowl material, but I think they'll have a winning season. You know, they have such an advantage over everybody else because they play in the clown division. There's three teams other than the Patriots in that division, of which none of them have a chance of winning one game. So if the Patriots, uh, and they usually do sweep 6-0 and in their division, they're automatically into the playoffs. Uh, all they have to do is play 500 ball the rest of the year. But I, I sort of think that Kansas City is the team to watch this year. Yeah, Kansas City, uh, your, their offense is incredible. Uh, do you think right. they have a really good shot at beating the Patriots? Because I think that those are the only two teams. Right. Well, uh, they scored 40 points and lost a couple of weeks ago against the Patriots. But that was uh, a home field advantage situation. Uh, when you score 40 points, you shouldn't really lose, but they did. But I think as the season goes along, they have tremendous speed, uh, and nobody can really uh, catch their receivers. Um, and as the defense comes along, I, I just think that they are the best team. But you never know what can happen. Um, it's... Um, the football is shaped. Uh, it's very funny, and it does bounce crazy, so you never know. Uh, Eddie, uh, basketball. Right. The Celtics and the Raptors look like uh, we're going to become mortal enemies at some point this year. Uh, uh, you, you've, uh, you've tweeted you don't think the Celtics have found their stride yet. Uh, they're still about 10 games away from finding their stride. Uh, the Raptors certainly have found their stride. They're 6-0. and Break down that matchup for us, Eddie. Well, first of all, I think it was a gutsy trade that they made, Toronto. Uh, but uh, they are two pretty evenly matched teams, and I wouldn't be surprised if they meet sometime in the playoffs. I'd only give the advantage to the Celtics for one reason, and that they have the most depth maybe of any team in history. I mean, they really do go 11 deep. 
they should end up, you know, in the in the best shape of anyone. They can afford to lose, you know, one or two players. Uh, Toronto, on the other hand, you know, wouldn't be able to sustain themselves if they have one or two major injuries. Uh, we saw that last year, didn't we? Two of the best players in basketball didn't even play uh, in the finals for the Celtics. But last night, they really did look like the old Celtics against Detroit. They opened up a 20-point lead uh, in the first period, and they just they kept it the rest of the way. And both teams are very, very good, and I would not be surprised if one of the two uh, gets to the finals. Whether they can beat Golden State or not, I, I, I can't say at this time, uh, but I, they'll certainly give them a tussle. And, you know, maybe Toronto will have it in the Stanley Cup, and they'll also have the NBA championship. It's definitely a possibility, you know, a few years ago, it was not even possible. Do you think LeBron James is going to make the playoffs with the with the Lakers, Eddie? Yeah, I do. Um, I my I think I've told you this before. My my dad took me to the first Celtics game ever in 1946. Uh, it was at the Boston Arena. It wasn't even at the Boston Garden because the Boston school system for eight or nine years never uh, had basketball as a varsity high school sport. So there wasn't any fans really around. Um, but I would tell you this, that the Celtics, uh, I'm sorry, the Patriots uh, have had the greatest run of any team, including the Celtics, because when the Celtics won 9 out of 11 championships, remember there was only 8 teams in the NBA. Today in the National Football League, there's like 31 or 2 teams. That makes a big difference. You know, it's the same in hockey. Uh, you know, there used to be six teams, and now I don't even know how many teams there are. And it's hard to believe there's a team in a place called Phoenix. I mean, it's hard to believe. 30 teams, Eddie. 31. Eddie, Eddie, I don't know if you're aware of this, but one of the top players in the NHL grew up in Phoenix, and he's playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he's American, obviously. Uh, Austin Matthews. So there's, there's some things going on down in Phoenix, Eddie. <laughs> well, uh, the franchise will end up in Canada uh, in the next few Houston. years. Houston. Houston. They don't draw anybody. It's like Miami sells all the tickets, but I've been to games down in Florida where there's like five, 6,000 people there. It's the businesses are, are very community-oriented, and so they buy all the tickets. But, you know, there's, uh, a Canadian goes down. I mean, there's a million Canadians, really. Literally, go down there in, in the winter for some, spend some part of the winter there. Um, but you know, they're Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver fans, and unless those teams are playing down there, nobody goes. Um, Eddie, just getting back to uh, the, the Toronto Raptors, you made you made a comment at the, at the beginning that it was a gutsy trade they made for Leonard for DeRozan. Right. Um, my, I'm not much of a basketball guy, basketball guy much not like you say you're not much of a hockey guy. So my view, though, is with DeRozan, the Raptors are never going to win because you could just see last year when they played Cleveland in the playoffs, it was like boys against men, and, and there was no chance they were going to advance uh, any further, and Boston was going to dominate them. Now, with Leonard, I think it's a bit of a brilliant trade because with Leonard coming not playing last year, he's up for a contract. He does want to go to one of the big teams in the U.S., You've got a guy that's highly motivated. Uh, he didn't come under the greatest circumstances because he wouldn't speak for the first while. But since he's been here, he's been very good with the press. His game seems to be getting better every game. 
Uh, I think that, um, you know, this guy, it could be the catalyst to push them forward as long as he stays healthy. What are your thoughts on him so far? Well, he's one of the better players in the NBA. And I agree with your analysis. I'd love to have some controversy and disagree with you, but there's no way I can. I think you've analyzed this 100% correct. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, thanks, Eddie. Well, I'll take that. I'm just going to stop right there. <laughs> Eddie, I will disagree with you on something, and perhaps we have to put a little wager on it, maybe a, a little dinner or lunch down in uh, in West Palm and uh, sometime this winter. Uh, uh, um I, I think the Raptors are going to take the Celtics this year. Uh, I'm, uh, we're uh, although we won't know that by uh, by by the time we meet, so we'll have to figure out some other way of uh, settling the bet. But Eddie, uh, this is the Raptors' year, and you know what? Leafs are going to take out the Bruins too. So uh, you know what? Uh, the only thing left, I guess, uh, you, you got lucky. The Revolution were better than our soccer team this year. Oh. <laughs> no, the only, the only the, thing the, you got the, going for you, Eddie, is that these points spread on, on – well, actually, what's the uh, lottery now in the U.S.? A billion and something? That's probably the point spread for the Pats and Bills Monday night, okay? <laughs> so. Well, we got some listeners in, uh, in uh, western New York. So uh, uh, the Pats, uh, I, I think they've, they've owned the Bills for a long time. Eddie, before we let you go, I got to uh, always uh, – love to pick your brain about all things Boston and nobody knows Boston sports you've been part of that scene forever my friend four greatest Boston sporting athletes of all time if you can distill it down to four or as close as you can get to four who are the best you've ever seen well you have to put uh, Tom Brady in there and you must put Ted Williams in there the greatest hitter who ever lived um (coughs) excuse me and um Let's see. I think you'd have to put Bill Russell in there, who was probably the most valuable uh, athlete any team in any sport ever had. And uh, hmm. Bobby Orr. Uh, yeah, yeah. I put definitely put Bobby Orr in there. Well, you certainly have. Uh, you've had a. You've had a rich uh, sporting history down in Boston. You've had. You just. That's going to lead us into our next segue. We'll be talking to uh, Gabe Polsky in search of greatness right after the break, uh, and those are certainly uh, four or five of the greatest athletes of all time. You guys in Boston have been pretty lucky, my friend Eddie. Imagine leaving out Larry Bird. <laughs> uh, you can. You know what? When you start considering the the great. Boston athletes of all time. It's pretty tough to draw the line. Uh, and uh, all the best of luck to the Sox. Uh, you know what? Uh, you're on the verge of winning your fourth in 15 years, and I know you had a, a drought for so many years and had to o- overcome so much. So uh, we wish all the best to Boston Red Sox, Red Sox fans. You uh, went through the wilderness, but you're getting your just uh, rewards now. Are you coming to Florida this winter? I certainly am, and we're going to hook up, Eddie. Uh, we'll uh, always love chatting with you. Nobody, uh, you, you, you never run out of stories, and when I get a chance to talk to you, uh, I feel like a kid in a candy store when you tell me all the stories of all the great athletes that you've uh, you've watched and you've interviewed and you've uh, kibbutzed with. So uh, absolutely, we'll uh, I'll take the opportunity to uh, to spend some time with you, Eddie. All right. Well, thanks. I look forward to you coming down, but. Don't bring any of that Canadian money, would you please? (laughs) (laughs) No, Eddie, we always settle our bets in U.S. funds. Always. Thanks, my friend.
Take care, guys. Thanks, Eddie Handelman, the Godfather Sports uh, Godfather Sports Radio. He hasn't lost a step. I guess I asked a tough question, didn't I? Yeah, uh, certainly, oh Naz. And uh, so Eddie, bizarre. Eddie is uh, he's 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 uh, he's a wit and he's irreverent and he never he never takes sports too seriously. He understands <laughs> it's all about fun, but when I tell you that he's interviewed. Uh, almost every significant athlete of uh, of the 1950s and 60s and 70s and 80s, he certainly has, and uh, he's never, 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 uh, never without a story. Anyways, we've got to go to break and talking about some of the great athletes. We'll be coming back with uh, director, film director Gabe Bolsky, talking about some of the greatest athletes. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I'm in Modena, birthplace of Pavarotti. When I knocked on my cousin's door, he opened it and said, My long-lost cousin, you finally come home. You must now marry my neighbour's sister. I said I had to get something in the car and never went back. Pizzaville, stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. Bridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour uh, film director, writer, producer, Gabe Polsky. Gabe, good morning. How are you, sir? Gabe? Do we have Gabe on the line, Sebastian? No? Okay. Gabe Polsky? Yeah. Oh, Gabe, good morning. How are you, sir? Hey, great. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're talking about your newest film. It's been... Uh, it's already receiving incredible reviews. It's been uh, cited as an early Oscar contender for best documentary feature. Of course, I'm talking about In Search of Greatness, and it opens 
this week in cinemas across North America. Gabe, tell us tell us about the film. It's called In Search of Greatness and the idea and what the film's all about. Yeah, so, you know, it, it is kind of in search of greatness. Um, you know, I've been I've telling the story through the eyes of the greatest athletes, I think, of all time. So I interviewed Wayne Gretzky, Jerry Rice, Pelé, and then featured Michael Jordan, Serena Williams, and, you know, Muhammad Ali, and so on. And it's basically, you know, about the the nature of greatness and, and particularly the role that creativity plays in um, kind of the careers of the, of the greatest of all time. And really I'm saying that, you know, I believe that for a long time that, you know, that creativity really is the essence of greatness and something that people, for, for whatever reason, kind of overlook. And, uh, and it really kind of is an un- unhealthy thing and uh, that's kind of the, the, you know, the. I guess it's a, it's a hard movie to pitch because it's, you know, it's a movie about ideas and there's a lot of interesting ideas in the film that people can take away, but it's not really about one thing. Uh, so that's that's kind of it. Uh, Gabe, it's uh, Mike Wilson here. Um, I... I have not seen the film, obviously, parts of it. I saw it, I actually went to the movies the other night and saw the trailer for it opening up in a couple of weeks. But I can tell you that a friend of ours, Paul Patskow, who helped you, I think, a little bit with the film and helped with uh, uh, your previous movie on the Russians, he said to me he thinks it's one of the best documentaries he's ever watched so or been a part of or seen. So you're getting high praise there, Gabe, so that's a great start in itself. But secondly, uh, I think the thing about it is that, that I'm intrigued to see is what it is about these athletes that separates themselves from the average player. And I think if you go back to these kids as kids, when they started coming through the ranks of playing minor sports, even today, if you look at a kid in in a level of hockey here in Canada, a kid that plays house league or plays upper level like, uh, you know, triple A hockey versus an A player. If Mm -hmm. you talk to a house league player, you talk to a triple A player at the same age, there's a distinct uh, difference in the way they carry themselves, the way they speak, the way they act. And that confidence that they have embedded in them from the success they have on the playing field carries through into everyday life. And I got to imagine that you sensed that all these players carried some trait that was very similar in the way they carried themselves, not only as athletes, but as regular people walking the streets. Yeah, I think that's a result of kind of a lot of other things. You know, that's kind of the end result. But you know, I, I think, you know, it's if you when you see the film, you sort of I think you're going to scratch your head because it's not I mean, all the things that what I think that we think greatness is and sort of the physicality and the confidence is it's really it's not what you think. And most of these guys, you know, like Gretzky, who's sort of the almost the poster boy for this kind of thing. But if you look at all most all the great athletes, they, they all kind of had tremendous weaknesses. Uh, and and they had to basically, you know, figure out a new way of playing, you know, and and that's creativity and and they and they had their own voice on on the ice or you know on the basketball court wherever they they were able to really understand who they were uh, as people both physically and mentally and then kind of work the game around them, you know, and use their imagination and that's. That's kind of one of 
you know, one of the surprising things you'll see in the film is these guys were all uh, kind of genetically not 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 kind. Of, you wouldn't pick them out of a lineup and say, "Okay, this guy's the guy. He's going to be it." But of all the guys, the Gabe, who's the uh, most? Uh, who was the most engaging athlete that well, you interviewed? I guess I could say this to you. I mean, I—they're I, I, all engaging in their own way. But but you know, Gretzky, because because I played hockey growing up and in Division One in college. I mean, he kind of is—you know—it was, it was really a pleasure to to be able to meet him and uh, and and talk to him about these ideas. So he and he was very—I think he was really—I don't know why he he brought his his game, you know, to the interview and was incredibly eloquent and 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 was able to communicate these really sort of difficult ideas but but in an in an easy way to understand uh, we're talking to Gabe Polsky uh, film director writer producer and we're talking to him about his new film coming out in cinemas this week it's called in search of greatness uh, Gabe the the three athletes it's actually that... it's actually in Canada November 9th okay November 9th yeah. and I believe it's at all the cineplex theaters so uh, People keep an eye on it. It'll be at your local theater, and it's highly, highly, highly recommended if you're a documentary fan or a sports fan. Uh, the three athletes that tend to that you tend to focus on the most in the film, uh, Gabe, are Wayne Gretzky, Pele, Jerry Rice. There are other athletes um, uh, uh, that you you weave through, and I haven't seen it just based on the reports yeah. that you weave. Through threads in in the movie, and of course, uh, you also get into uh, non-sports uh, uh, geniuses as well, like David Bowie and uh, and the Beatles, and it's all about the uh, the creative spirit. But Gretzky, little kid born in Canada in Brantford, Ontario, the cold white north. Pele, born in probably uh, uh, in some outpost in Brazil and uh, different upbringing altogether. Jerry Rice, American athlete. Uh, greatest NFL receiver of all time. You had the, the distinct privilege of being able to sit down with these three. And after after speaking with the three of them, what's the common thread? What's the, What did you distill out of the three of them that made them more alike than more different? Well, I mean, they were, uh, first of all, I mean, just... They were nice. I mean, I'm not trying to, I mean, it's not like I'm looking to, I don't really care if they're nice to me or not because I'm just trying to make a great film, but they, they really were like, it seemed like good people and, and, and not just that, like they had just a, a humbleness and a simplicity to them and humbleness, like, oh yeah, it's not like fraudulent humbleness. It's like, it, it's, it's real, you know, because I think these guys really understand like, the, the how hard it is and and not just how hard it is but sort of the element of luck and just you know that 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 they're fortunate to be in kind of that position and and have kind of the chips fall in the right place and you know the people that 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 they were that were mentoring them and, and sort of believed in them you know i mean really there was a simplicity to how they thought, and and I'm not saying that way that it's not like they lacked intelligence or anything. Like it's the opposite. It's like sometimes intelligence is like when you look at things in a really simple way, you know. So I would say that, and then I guess you'll have to see the movie. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, Gabe, the other thing about it is is to to your point about 
what these guys are and what, what their makeup is, their DNA, if you will, is the fact that at some point, the ability has to take hold. You played hockey, uh, so you understand that good players, the puck follows good players around. The puck followed Wayne Gretzky around, obviously. So there has to be something in their makeup that the game slows down for players at that level, and they see it on a much different sphere than the average player does. And it has to be that way. And for them, the frustration they have is that it comes to them naturally, and they are able to execute on the playing field or on the ice. And if you'll note, not a lot of them make great... There's two things that you said there. First of all, you're you're, you're asking what's the common thread. I mean, I think what's most more interesting is that what what is the fact that these guys... They are all different. Greatness is not like, it's not something that you're not, you, you can't manufacture it. So there's never, you're never going to, and it's always going to take different forms. So it shouldn't, the question shouldn't be what the common thread is. Actually, they're, they're very different, and that's what makes them great is differences. So that's the first thing. And then, and then you say that, you know, that they just have this natural ability and they could see it differently. I, I, I sort of disagree, and I think that, it it is a lot of work to see things j- differently. It doesn't just happen like you're born with it. You, you have to like watch like Gretzky talks about it. It just he watched every single game every night. You know, I mean that that's like crazy, but that's how you see the game. You know, and then you process it. But then, so I think it's a little bit of both. But it's tremendous amount of work to have vision, and creativity is also a lot of work. You know, I mean you don't just you got to open yourself up to it so and you gotta you know you gotta study things and and it's not just like all of a sudden you just wake up and lay in bed and you're just so creative you know while I wasn't suggesting for a moment that these guys didn't work hard, I mean, if you ever watch Sidney yeah. Crosby practice, uh, he's just on a different level than any other player. But what I was referring to is the fact that because they do have this gift, I mean, the funny part about it is how many of these guys ever have ever made good coaches? Because it's very difficult for them or frustrating for them to pass along the ability that they have and the way they see the game to the average player. But it is their work ethic that is unmatched in the games that they do play. So to your point, I agree with you, but there is something different, definitely, about each of these players that you Well, mentioned. I talked to Gretzky about the coaching thing, which is interesting, uh, very, like a little briefly. And he, he, he said something interesting that he said something like that, you know, if, if, if he was coach of the Oilers in the 80s, <laughs> He would have been a great coach because <laughs> part of it is getting great players too, and, and sort of as long as he had himself as as long as he had himself as a player, <laughs> yeah, exactly. of course, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys are right, but anyways, wow. Gabe, I, I I know you're uh, you you've been generous with your time with us this morning, and uh, uh, I think the the end result of this entire but conversation. By the time, but but listen, guys, by yeah. the time you're a coach in a professional team, like. The players are already fully developed. Like you can't yeah. develop them anymore. Like a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like, yeah. Like you can't teach a guy how to like be great. See the game at that <laughs> level. No, no. Hold on. At that yeah. time, because you have to start early. You got to open them up. By the time they're already grown adults, they don't know how to think. You know, yeah. like differently almost. You know. It takes a lot longer, so that that stuff has to be developed as a young kid and sort of, the, you know, 
Well, to that point, Gabe, remember these guys grew up being the superstars of every team they've ever played on since they've been six or seven years old. And then all of a sudden when they get to the pro level, they walk into the first training camp and there's 50 guys that are exactly the same as them. So there's a definite disconnect between the guy who takes it to the next level and the guy who can't advance to that level. Yeah, but there's there's a difference between a star and a superstar. Like, yeah, these kids were all like, you know, they're they're all like – really great as kids but that doesn't mean that they were like they may be technically great but you know Gretzky's on another level because he kind of he had a different language of playing so he was better than everybody else yeah uh Gabe we're gonna let you go I know that I know you're busy thank you very much guys uh just want to let you uh finish it off by telling us the movie is in search of greatness uh once again uh, where can we find it in Canada Gabe yeah, it's 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 going to be in Cineplex theaters, and Scotia Bank Theater starting off, and in Edmonton, and then it's going to expand from there. And if you want more information about theaters or anything else, the website is searchagreatness.com. dot com. Thanks, uh, Gabe. We're going to thank you for that. We are certainly going to watch it. Uh, we're thrilled with the reviews, and uh, uh, we wish you all the best of luck and hope uh, hope it uh, receives the awards that it certainly thoroughly deserves. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thank uh, you. That's fantastic. That, of course, is uh, Gabe Polsky. It's called In Search of Greatness. And, uh, Mike, I want to go back to you. You're good friends with... Uh, uh, we're we're all friends with Paul Patsku, who's one of Canada's great sports archivists. Yes, and uh, I know that you've chatted with him about this. And if there's anybody's opinion I respect, it would be Paul's. And uh, in your chats with Paul, what did he find striking about this documentary? Uh, because I think the thing about it with Paul's Paul, I mean, Paul gets requests every day of the week to, to do stuff with documentaries because he is the film archivist of, of you know, he's the godfather. He's of the guy. And he's the guy. He's the go-to guy. So yeah. he, he's, he's, the requests are just through the roof. And he's such a nice guy that he just doesn't say no. But he worked with the, on the Red Army, he worked with Gabe on that one. And he, he you know, went on about that because of the depth that Gabe went to do the film. And I think the thing that sort of distinguishes this movie is what Paul's told me a little bit. He's told me about it is the fact that he digs deep into the player's thoughts and he goes beyond just, geez, what did it feel like to score the winning goal in game seven? So getting that insight is something that has never been done before. And the public as a whole has not seen that side of these type of athletes. So I think that's what people are going to take away from it. And I think you know, to the point that Gabe is trying to make, it's going to make it a little bit controversial because you see how he was looking at it from his view and how we looked at it from our view as the way we look at these athletes. Well, you always get into these debates about um, genius and about um, capabilities and, and skill. And it's the old, you know, uh, biology 101 that, you know, human, we've, you know, scientists have been debating forever which is is it nature or is it nurture right is it dna or is it experience or is it training and of course of course the obvious answer to that is it's both right so you know and 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 the obvious answer is you'll never know how much of it is nature and how much of it is nurture because we're talking about individuals who have like we're talking about pele talking about jerry rice we're talking about Wayne Gretzky. Serena Williams. Too. Serena Williams. I mean, you're talking about athletes, and you, and you start talking about Lionel Messi's, and some of the, uh, you know, these, these, these athletes are on this side of the Atlantic. And then you've got all the great 
European athletes of all time. And, and you're talking about they've all grown up in completely and utterly different circumstances, yet they find a way to but become the look, best. Look at Pele as a young lad, you know. Yeah. Like he... 17 years old in the World Cup for Brazil in 1958. Incredible. Do you guys remember when uh, the Raptors were playing out of the Sky Dome and the time they upset the uh, Chicago, Chicago Bulls? Bulls? I remember yeah. that. Okay, so I was at that game. I was lucky enough to get tickets and sat on at the floor level, and I took my dad. And here are the Raptors beating this team that won, what, 72 games or something that year? And here they are. Here's this, you know, bunch of stiffs beating, you know, <laughs> like an elite team. And I remember Jordan was standing in front of us, and they were losing, and he had his hands in his hip, and he was chewing on his gum so hard, he probably could have chewed through a brick. I looked at my dad, and I said, are you looking at Jordan? And he said, yeah, and it just—he didn't have to say a word. It was just a look of amazement that we both had in our faces. Here's a guy. Does it really matter about losing one game? Like, to, so what? There's a fluke loss, but his desire that he was losing this game to these guys—he was so angry. You know, you know that it's difficult for opposing teams to come in on a Sunday because they party so much. That's what happened there. They party so much that they come in on a Sunday afternoon and not prepared to play. But he's and that's when the Bulls lost to the Raptors. Yeah, Toronto's so, well known for its entertainment. Uh, and I, I think night. you hit on a good point, Mike. Um, and you know, they're all different. They all come from different experiences, different parents. Some of them have parents that are a little bit more laid back, and some of them have parents that are just absolute, for lack of a better term, uh, vociferous. I, you know, I could use a stronger term, and we're all familiar with them. Haven't hung around hockey arenas. Um, we all we're all familiar, and certainly Walter Gretzky was not. You know, Walter Gretzky obviously was was a very good hockey father, and gave and gave Wayne the you know was part of it enough and part enough to liberate his creative spirit. Um, uh, but these these they're driven. You know, they have, and you talk about Michael Jordan on that particular, you know, these guys don't accept defeat. But they have a passion for the game, too. They, they have a passion for the game, and they have, they have the right DNA. Let's, let's be fair. You cannot, we've had this debate, you can take 500 kids at the age of three and say, I'm going to take these 500 kids and I'm going to make them into the ne- next Wayne Gretzky. No. Don't waste your time. It's not going to happen. I think happen. DNA is very important. I think you're born with it, most of it. Really, you have to work hard while you're there, but you're born with it. You got to be born with something, and and what you're born with is probably more between the ears than in the rest of your body. Two years ago, my son and I went to Pittsburgh as a friend of ours, Ricky Taka, was coaching yeah. there, and we went to go watch a couple games. And he, we went to the morning one of the workouts, and I love watching practices because yeah. that's where the players are very relaxed and they, they they their skills really come out. And he said to me, you know, Wells, watch Cross when he comes out. And watch him work out in practice. Now, here's a guy who has nothing to prove to anybody. So we went to the workout that day. The practice started at 10 o'clock. At 20 to 10, he came on the ice. And he with the, Rick was on there working with some of the second-line players and third-line players doing drills with them. Crowdplay comes on the ice, butts in, starts doing the drills. And if he missed, he was going right back to the front of the line, going full speed on these drills, and this is Sidney Crosby. I mean, who's the player? And not one player was saying anything, and if he missed a drill, he'd go back and do it again. But here's the star butting in to do drills 20 minutes before practice. Speaking, speaking of stars, Austin Matthews, I'd like to bring him up in the last four minutes. Yeah, sure. Because he's injured again. Yep. I'm not sure that uh, his future is very bright, especially considering the injuries he's having. He reminds me a bit of Eric Lindros, where he, he, wow. he opens himself up on the ice, and he gets hurt because he gets hit. 
And that's what happened last night. It happened a couple of times last year, and it happened last night. I'm not sure he's going to survive playing the way he's playing right now. He's got to change his game. Well, you can't go to those areas like he did last night. He went to the tough area, and, yeah. and Tribbett hit him, and it was a clean hit. And that's the way he plays. You're not going to – the minute he starts trying to – But if you stop to, going to the tough areas, you're not the same hockey player. And he's going to get hurt by trying to avoid getting hit. He's got he's – got he's got, I think he's sort of got to learn the, the Sidney Crosby. Uh, he's got to manage his game. Um, but you can't stop going to the tough because then it, you're just not the same player, no. right? And you know, you know what? It's it's a learning experience for him. Fortunately, fortunately, if there's any fortunate in any of this, it's, they're not head so far. They don't appear to be concussions. There was one last year that was a concussion he had a, when he yeah. ran into Riley. Yeah, yeah. So he's you know what? They got to learn to manage their game. And but you know. Um, I don't think it's at the point yet where we need to be concerned about it, but, you know, yeah, it's a couple of years in the league and he's missing 10, 15 games well, many, a year. How many times did Eric Lindros go out oh. the way he played? I mean, I'm not well, comparing that, that was him more to, later in his I'm career. I'm not comparing him to Eric Lindros, but the way they played. No, but then again, there's, there's what we're just talking to Gabe about. I mean, there's a guy who was the biggest guy in the ice his whole time coming up through minor hockey. Yeah. He played with his head down because he'd run through guys, yeah. and he got into a league now where the guys were the same size as him, yeah. and the guys were playing tougher, and you he got, couldn't you do gotta that. you got to be careful. you gotta, you got to keep your head up. He had to adjust his you game. you got to avoid hits. Right. So I think the one thing we can take away from this, though, I mean, we do hope that 34 is not hurt at all. But oh, he's going to be out four to six weeks. But it's the a separated one, shoulder for sure. Oh, I, for sure. I don't think we know that yet. They don't know uh, that. They're not, well, we'll find out. Way, We're going to find out Monday. Collided, you can tell. I've seen a lot of kids in, through minor hockey, a lot of yeah. times where you get hit awkwardly yeah. like that, it's separated shoulder. Well, I guess the good news for us as Leaf fans is last year he missed 20 games and the team went 11-7-2, and two, but yeah. and they didn't have Kapanen yeah. playing does at the this, level he played at. Does this at. speed up Nylander being signed? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, that, 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 they, they should still got to settle yeah. them at the right number. Remember, they didn't have John Tavares last year when this happened, when he got hurt, and Kapanen's filling in for Nylander just very nicely. I don't think that speeds things along at all. Boy, Kapanen's really come on, though, Mike. Well, he's a top Six player, and I when I watched him play for the Marbles, he was he was uh, Marbles. He was yeah. one step above everybody when he played there, and he he just. But the problem is Toronto has so much depth, he couldn't get a chance to play. Now he's get, the funny part about it is the game in Chicago. I was watching. I, I was thinking. I was watching him and Johnson at for the first couple of games, and thinking you, he looked like he was being a bit lazy on the ice. And I thought, you know, geez. And then I'm a big fan of Kapanitz, and I said, you better pick it up a little bit. Well, doesn't he stay on long on one shift? <laughs> Matthews comes on. Matthews sets him up and he scores. All of a sudden, Babcock, which is he's want to do, puts him right back out. He, Matthews, then he sets Matthews up. Matthews scores, and he's been on the line ever since. We're talking, we got Mike Wilson. Mike, we only got a minute left, so sure. we're going to... Uh, when are you when are you heading out to the West Coast? What do you got coming up in the next uh, well, Pittsburgh, few weeks? Pittsburgh this weekend for home, just down and back. And then the following week, it's Boston, L.A., San Jose, and Anaheim. Biggest takeaway so far from your five games out of town? The biggest takeaway? Yeah. Uh, is the fact... Any surprises? Yes, at the outpouring of people that are reaching out to us uh, that are Leaf fans throughout, like there's lead up Leaf meetup groups throughout different cities in the U.S. A couple of embassies have reached out to, to try and hook up with me to do things. And just people in general, very willing to share their stories as Maple Leaf fans and the pride that they have in being a Maple Leaf fan. Do you wear a Leaf, game, Leaf sweater to the game? I don't do that. I've never done that. I wear my Ultimate Leaf fan shirt so people okay. can recognize, <laughs> but I've never been that type of fan. Naz, 20 seconds, last word. You don't have your Brian Trotsky, uh, sorry, Guy Trotsky uniform, do you? I don't have that, no. <laughs> but 
But it, I did see a loophole and a, a Phaneuf jersey walking in. Two jerseys going have you, in. Have you, seen a, have you seen a Franceschetti jersey? <laughs> I haven't seen one of those yet. On that note, on that note, I'm getting the buzz from Sebastian. It's uh, time to get off the air. Otherwise, we're going to get cut off. Anyways, to all our listeners, I uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, Sunday morning. And uh, be safe, and we'll be back again and next Bills, Sunday morning. Bills, keep it morning. within two touchdowns, okay? Go, Bills, go. Have a great week.